And yes, let me say good morning again. Uh, my name is Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church, and uh, such a joy to be able to worship with you and uh, to remind our hearts of that mercy that we have received in Christ. And as uh, we prepare to open God's word again, um, I just want to encourage you. Uh, I pray that that mercy of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, that the mercy that Christ has shown you, his love towards you, his kindness to you, um, would not be something that you would quickly get over. Uh, sadly, I think too often in our lives, and I'm guilty of this as well, is that we, we forget the mercy of God. We forget that it's only but God and his love for us, being rich in mercy, loved us so much that he, he would not allow us to stay wanderers, but drew us close. And what a gift um, that is to know uh, that that is true. And as we think about God's mercy towards us, and we can say, it's only because of God's work in my life that I have a, a life at all, that I have faith, that I have hope, and that I have joy, I have those things, we can also be reminded um, that there are those who are yet far off from God. Uh, there's perhaps, I would expect, in fact, not perhaps, there's more than likely some of you, even in this room, um, who are not sure about who Jesus is. You are not sure of God's love for you. You can't sing with great confidence to say, God, rich in mercy. Um, and my hope is that you would know that mercy this morning, that you would believe in that mercy, that as we open up God's word together, you would see his love for you, even as we think about and kind of talk through this story that we're going to look at in Acts chapter 13, that you would see even the drawing out of God himself in your life. Um, and perhaps today, as Pastor Matt prayed, that you would put your faith and your hope uh, in Christ alone. Uh, for those of us that are Christ followers, this text that we're going to read gives us um, great encouragement and it really exhorts us. And it, it also gives us a, a pattern to follow as we think about the mercy that we have received and taking that mercy on mission to go out into the world to proclaim the goodness of Christ um, to those who don't know him. And that's what we're here to do. As we've studied the book of Acts, we've seen this history lesson, and it is a history lesson while at the same time as being God's word of him building his church. And the history is that God is at work doing something in the world, that he's establishing his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, and that he has invited people to be a part of that. And he started with the apostles, and that has continued. And these apostles have gone to the ends of the earth, and the church is building and growing and multiplying, and that we are a continuation of that. And so often as we read the, the story of the book of Acts, one of the other things that we might sort of be lulled to sleep in a bit or kind of forgetful about is that what God was doing here was establishing something that was for us, and he's continuing to do that work through us so that there would be others who would know Christ, who would have the hope that we have. And if we think of that as we just read this story, we sort of think of it in a little bit of isolation where it's, oh, this is just the story of the church. This has not as much to do with me. We miss something. But this morning, I hope as we look at Acts chapter 13, verses 4 through 12, that we'll see God at work and it will give us an example of how we are to live our lives on mission with him. To catch a few of you up, I know there's some guests in the room that haven't been with us. We've been working our way through the book of Acts for a few months now. Um, we took a break last weekend as we celebrated just God's faithfulness to our church through baptism and the installation of new elders. But where we were a couple weeks ago in the beginning of Acts chapter 13, we were looking at the church in Antioch uh, so much as I've studied this book and prepared these messages, just reflecting on the book of Antioch, looking at the book of Antioch, or the book, <laughs> the, the book of Acts, the church in Antioch, it's been a 
real encouragement to me, uh, just a beautiful church that was faithfully pursuing the Lord and seeking the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And so in the first four verses that we looked at a couple weeks ago, we saw that Paul and Barnabas and a few others had returned to the church in Antioch from their mission in Jerusalem. They'd come back to this church, and as they were gathering together, the Holy Spirit was at work in their gathering and said, hey, set apart for me these two, Saul and Barnabas, for a work that I have them to do. In this setting apart, and you see the attentiveness of the Holy Spirit. And as we pick up in verse 4 and following these next few uh, verses, we're going to see Saul and Barnabas and John accompanying them fulfill or follow through on the mission that God had called them to. And I believe we're going to see four sort of examples or four markers that we can and guide our lives. And I'm going to give you four questions that would be worthwhile for us all to ask as we go throughout our day, our weeks, and months about how we are living in response to the mercy that we have received. So if you're able, would you stand out of reverence for God's word as I read from Acts chapter 13, verses 4 through 12. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed. When he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy on display in what we now know to be our brother, Sergius Paulus, who's with you today because of what you did here in this story that we get to read about all these years later. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would encourage us as we look to the example of Paul and Barnabas. We look to the example of their ministry and the word that they proclaim. May we also be a people who faithfully fulfill the mission that you have given us. Um, Will we learn? Will we be encouraged? Will we be strengthened for this task? And may you receive all the glory that you deserve here on the earth as it is in heaven. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we look at this text, as I read it for you again, there's a bit of a temptation. We can somewhat read this in isolation, just seeing this as a story of two guys who went down to an area, kind of sailed to an island, started talking about God, and and this uh, proconsul came to faith, and that has nothing to do with us. That's a time in history, and we can think about, okay, that guy came to faith in Christ, and what does that matter other than Luke recounting it for us? But what I do believe is we look at this faithful mission, the mission that God had given them, as I said, we can learn much about how we are called to live our lives. And the first thing that we see there in verse 4 is it says that so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, sent out by the Holy Spirit, the faithful will go. 
This is one of the things that we see Saul and Barnabas so faithfully do is as they are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, they are willing to go anywhere. They were attentive and they went to Jerusalem based on what the church called them to do and the help that they needed to provide to them. They came back to Antioch and now the Holy Spirit has kind of been amongst them in the midst of this church gathering and said, set apart these two. I've got another work for them to do and I'm going to send them out. And the Holy Spirit sends them out. They were attentive to the Holy Spirit and the faithful go. As we think about this attentive to the Holy Spirit and being sent out by the Holy Spirit, it's a reminder to us that we must be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. We have to understand and be attentive to all that God is doing around us. And much of that begins, again, with our understanding, our recognition of the mercy that we ourselves have received. If we grow indifferent to the mercy that God has shown us, then we're more than likely going to grow indifferent to the mercy that is needed in the world. Those people who are far off from God, they won't be our concern because we won't even think about the reality that our lives would be completely wrecked, completely different, if not for the mercy of God. And as we see and understand that mercy of God on, at work in our lives, we then ask the Holy Spirit and we're attentive to the Holy Spirit of how we are to respond. What does that mean for us? Why did God save us? Yes, it's to bring glory to himself through our lives, but it is also very much to save us, to lead us into bringing more glory to him on the earth, to being a part of his mission of redeeming the world. And he's invited us into that. And so the faithful are willing to go. And they go based on listening to the Holy Spirit, being attentive to the work of the Spirit. Now, I know what you're all asking. Well, how in the world am I supposed to be attentive to the Holy Spirit? How am I supposed to know? As I have this thought or this idea, I wake up in the morning with this on my mind. How am I supposed to know? Is that the Holy Spirit or is that just some indigestion? Did I have some bad food last night? No, the Holy Spirit speaks and we can discern the Holy Spirit. And the means for which we discern the Holy Spirit is being attentive to what God has already done and has already said. We start through prayer and through fasting. If we're going to hear and we're going to be attentive to the work of the Holy Spirit in order to know where to go and how to go, that starts with us seeking God. And we do that through prayer and through fasting. We pray and ask the Holy Spirit. Have you asked the Holy Spirit? Do you begin your day? This would be a great encouragement to begin your day before you even, before you hit that reach over. Let me see. Okay. No, don't do that. Just, just keep that hand still. Have some discipline to say, Lord, what do you have for me today? I want to hear from your spirit right now as I lay in the bed before I can barely even crack my eyes open. What do you have for me? And pray and ask the Lord for that. Pray with other believers that you would be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Ask him to give you that discernment, that wisdom. The other piece of discerning the will of the Holy Spirit is that we test that against God's word. So again, you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe this is just some, again, some bad food I had last night. No, you can test the Holy Spirit against what God's word has already said to you. I love this. I remind myself of this often. God isn't redundant. And so if he said it to me in his word, he may be prompting me through the spirit, but he doesn't need to say it again. And so I can balance that. I can say, is this calling? Is this responsibility? I feel like I need to go talk to my neighbor today. I feel like I need to have this conversation with a coworker. I need to pick up the phone and call this family member that I haven't had a conversation with at some time, this friend, whatever that might be. And we say, does that, is it counter to God's word? Is it align with God's word? Is this, and, and, and most of the time, if, 
it's from the Holy Spirit, not most of the time. If it's from the Holy Spirit, it's not going to ever be in conflict with God's word. And most of the time, we'll find ourselves saying, well, duh, yeah, I should, God's word tells me to love my neighbor as he loves myself, tells me to honor my wife, so I need to have that conversation with her, tells me to be attentive to the needs of others, to consider others' lives more valuable than my own. All these things that we read in God's word that inform our behavior as the Holy Spirit is leading us and speaking, and we're trying to discern where should I go, how should I go, what is it that I should be doing today, the Spirit speaks, and we can test that against God's word, and we can see that his word is true. And then third, and finally, as we listen to the Holy Spirit and we're striving to be attentive to the Holy Spirit, we can look towards other believers, other faithful followers of Jesus. We can ask them, what do you think? This is something that I'm sensing God calling me to do. This is a conversation that I think I need to have. Would you mind praying for this with me? Would you, can I just run this past you, this thought or this idea? And as other believers speak with wisdom filled with the Holy Spirit themselves, we can discern again. I can tell you so often since planting this church and in my life in ministry, I'm thankful for brothers in ministry, brother pastors in other places that know really very little about City Church. They know a little bit about our ministry, myself personally, and I'll reach out to them and I'll ask, I'll say, this is something that I'm sensing God putting on my heart for our church, for my family, for whatever it is. Would you mind praying for me over this? Would you pray with me for this? Would you pray with me for wisdom as we think about these decisions and all that is in front of us? And we'll pray together. I know they're praying for me even we're apart from one another. And when we come back together hearing from them, and I'll say, this is what I think. What do you think? Yep, the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit is telling you to do that, to take that action, to take that step. I have those friends around me, those believers that encourage me. Our elder team is, is, is a, much, a very big part of that in terms of the relationships that I have here locally. Even my family, asking them those things. As I list those things, though, I hope you picked up on this. You might notice that every single one of those things is what happens in what we call a fight club. We talk about fight clubs all the time. A fight club is simply this. It's a small gathering of believers who come together with the purpose of praying together, studying God's word together, and encouraging each other as we speak God's word to one another. We pray together, we read God's word together, and we encourage one another. It's just three or four guys getting together and saying, this is what I'm sensing. This is, I want to be attentive to the spirit. And so we encourage you to find a fight club to do that. And we want to help you in that. If you aren't in a fight club, that's one of the things that we want to, we'd love to help you with. Pastor Adam will be one of the elders down front here. His role here on our church is to help people to get in, encouraged and engage uh, Leanne through our ladies ministry. There'll be others that are a part. We'd love to help you in that. But that's what happens when three or four believers come together with the focus of praying together, studying God's word, and listening to one another. Some of you maybe are guests, family members from out of town. Some of you are you know, whatever, wherever you reside in another place. Let me just encourage you. You, don't have, you can call it a fight club. You can call it a Bible study. You can, call it, you can call it whatever you want to call it. I don't care. You can call it your club. But if you would just let me encourage you, find people that you can gather together with, with the purpose of praying together, studying God's word, and encouraging each other through the word of God. We all need that. And the church is a means for us to have that. Paul and Barnabas were sent out by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't the church in Antioch that did this, simply. It was the Holy Spirit through the church in Antioch that sent them out to the mission that they had. The Holy Spirit sends us out. And so the first question that I'd encourage you to ask this week, where will you go? The faithful go. They go somewhere. Where will you go this week? And that doesn't mean always going to a far off island. It might mean right here 
in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, in your friend group, wherever it is, where will you go and take the Holy Spirit, the message of the Holy Spirit? Well, they go down to Seleucia and they say, I've got a map for you to give you some context about this. And I know it's very small font, but for those of you in the back, but where you see, if you can see some orange up there, your right, my far left on the screen there, that's Antioch. And they came down to Seleucia, then they sailed across to the island of Cyprus. And this is the first missionary journey of Paul, tracing his way with Barnabas and John as his assistant, tracing his way, sharing the word of God everywhere they went. This is where the Holy Spirit sent them to go. Notice as they go, though, when they arrive, it says, when they arrive in verse 5, they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God. The faithful go, but the faithful then tell. They tell something. They have a word to speak. The faithful tell of the word of God. They tell of the excellencies of Christ. This is what it says here. It says that they proclaimed the word of God. Paul made it his habit. Every city that he went into, he would look for the Jewish synagogue where there were at least God-fears, those who had some relationship with God. And of course, his heart, as we hear in other pieces of the New Testament, he had a deep desire that his Jewish brothers and sisters would know the Messiah, that they would know Christ. And out of their, his desire that they would know Christ, he went first every time to the synagogue to proclaim the word of God. That's where he would always begin. We're going to see this message that he gives to the synagogue here in Cyprus next week as we look at the end of Acts chapter 13, a powerful sermon that Paul gave. But we know that he goes there to proclaim the word of God. We have to speak. Have you thought about, probably not before now, but let me invite you to think about what have you proclaimed this week? What have you told others of yesterday? Sometimes it's hard for me. I can barely remember yesterday. And so as I thought about this this week, I'm trying to think, what have I talked about this week and last week? What have I proclaimed to others? You know, research tells us that an average person will have 12 interactions per day. 12 interactions with another person. That isn't just passing somebody by, but that's an actual legitimate interaction with another person. As I thought about my day yesterday, it was a relatively basic day. It was a Saturday, so there was a little bit of uniqueness to it as a Saturday. But I think I encountered, I know I counted up over 50 people that I had a personal interaction with in one day. What have you proclaimed when you have these interactions? This doesn't require us, I know, the anxiousness of our hearts, and we're going to get to this in a moment even deeper, but as we think about those interactions and proclaiming the excellencies of Christ, the fear is there's always this anxiousness. Well, I don't want to be weird. <laughs> I, don't want to, I don't want to be awkward. We're not supposed to talk about these things, right? We, don't, we, we shouldn't say this or that. God's word tells us that we are to proclaim the word of God, to proclaim the excellencies of Christ who called us out of darkness into light. And when we speak, we have to have a message. You're going to say something. You're going to have a conversation about something. Do you think about the gospel, the mercy of Christ in your own life? Are you aware constantly of the kindness of God towards you? I love what it says about Sergius Paulus. We're going to get to him a little bit more in just a moment. But in verse 7, he's the proconsul and he asks, he's a man of intelligence, it says, and he summons Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. One of the errors that we make is in our attentiveness, our desire that to be liked and our fear of man. We don't want to push too far. We don't want to be awkward. We don't want to be the weird guy. We don't want to be labeled by anything. We think to ourselves, no one wants to hear this. 
But let me just tell you that every single human being has a desire to hear from God. We have heard from God. We have received the mercy of Christ. They want to hear the message that we proclaim, whether they know it or not. We have an opportunity to share the hope of Christ. We have a calling to share the mercy with him. And it doesn't have to be strange. It doesn't have to push people away. I think in preparation for this message, I didn't really have any idea that this was going to happen as I wrote this. This message was prepared before this event, so just let me tell you that so you don't think that I created this event. But this week, I traveled down to Houston to pick up a vehicle. That's a whole other story I can tell you later. But anyway, I get on a flight, and so I fly down to Houston, and the, the, the guy picks me up at the airport, and he's driving me back to the dealership. And I had 45 minutes with a new friend. His name is Stuart. And through that conversation, we just talked about our lives. We talked about his family. He asked me about my family. That began to open up some doors for me to talk about the kindness of God. As I mentioned the kindness of God, he then begins to ask me about some things that he has questions about with God. And for 45 minutes, and then a few minutes later, for about 15, uh, uh, in a later moment, I had an opportunity to just share the mercy of God that I have received with Stuart. To share the hope of the gospel with him. I had no idea that was going to happen, but I had a message to share because I know the mercy that I have received. I had a word to speak to him. And again, I don't want you to think highly of me. That's not something I'll just tell you. That's, I, this is a convicting message to me before it is an encouragement. And the conviction is that I need to do that more often. I need to be more aware of what God is doing here in the world. Sergius Paulus had a desire to hear the word of God. That meant that God had already been at work stirring up in him a desire to hear. And when he sent Saul and Barnabas, God knew he was sending Saul and Barnabas. Way before Sergius Paulus had any idea, before he was even alive, he knew where he was going to send them. And as they arrived, they were ready to hear the message from God through these faithful brothers. I wish I could tell you, at the end of that conversation with Stuart that he's a believer in Christ. I don't know that. Here's what I do know. Long before I made a plan to travel down to Houston, long before any of that happened, God was at work providentially ordaining events so that he and I would have an interaction together. And he had given me a word through the salvation that I've received, the mercy of Christ that I've experienced in my life so that I would have a message to give to Stuart. And what I do have faith in and I have confidence in is that there were seeds that were planted and that at some point, God, as Leanne read from Isaiah, God's word will not return void. God will do what he intends to do in Stuart's life and I can trust that and I can have confidence in that. The faithful tell. And so let me ask you, as you go out into the world this week, you're going to go somewhere. Are you going to be attentive to the spirit and where you go and the conversations you have, this friend, that friend's house, that neighbor, that workplace, going up, you know, being, being aware of that. And then when you get there, you're going to have something to say. Who are you going to speak to? Who will you tell? Well, as Saul and Barnabas went to proclaim the word of God to Sergius Paulus, they came face to face with some opposition. And we can be sure that we also will face opposition. Notice as I pick up in verse 7, again, I read for you that he was a man of intelligence. He summons Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But before that, in verse 6, it says that as they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. And he was with this proconsul. He was with Sergius. And it says in verse 8, it describes him further. It gives his name, and he has two names, as often Bible characters do. But Elimas, this is the same person. This is that Bar-Jesus. 
the Elimus is the name or the meaning of his name. It says that he opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. He opposed them. He didn't want the proconsul to believe in Jesus. He did not want them to, him to hear the word of God. Why? Because that would have eliminated his role. He was a false prophet. His role was to lead, and ultimately the proconsul, this is a common thing, Roman rulers had this sort of tension, and at least we hear this about Sergius. He wanted to hear the word of God, and yet he believed in all of the mythology and sort of the ways of the world. And so he had Bar-Jesus there by his side to sort of give him sort of divinations, to give him some advice into the future. And there is very common for the Roman rulers to have these type of men around them to give them advice. The language or the word that is used here to describe his role is the same word that is used to describe the Magi in the, new, in, in the birth account of Jesus. These people who could discern, whether it was through the stars or through whatever means, they had some they believed had this ability to see into the future and to give them advice. And so the Roman ruler, of course, wanting to have somebody around him that could give him wisdom and kind of speak truth, what he believed to be truth into his life, he had him there. But as he knew that if they heard the word of God and they, he believed in Jesus, that his job would be eliminated. And so he did not want to hear from, he did not want them to hear from God. The faithful will be opposed. And as we face opposition, this is where we find what our confidence is in. And the calling on our lives as we come against opposition, knowing that we are going to face that opposition, whether it comes from an individual, whether it comes from some circumstances, and sometimes, honestly, it comes from within ourselves. We decide in advance, I don't want to have this conversation. This is kind of, I, I, I shouldn't talk about this. You know, we're told all the things that we're allowed to talk about and not talk about in life, right? And so this is one of the, I, I, I shouldn't go there. We, we sort of oppose ourselves. We get in the way of ourselves being willing to share kind of as we have this conflict. But this is where we must put our hope. First John 4, the promise of this text is a promise to us. Little children... You are from God and have overcome them, false teachers. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. That's the opposition. Then he says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We know, we can discern again the spirit of truth, the word of the Holy Spirit, and we are from God. And as we go out into the world to proclaim the goodness of God and proclaim the message of the gospel to others, we can know that those who listen to us, God has already foreordained that they would hear from us, that they would understand, that they would have attentiveness in the same way that Sergius did. Again, I wish I could tell you back to my story of Stuart that he came to faith in Christ. I don't know that. That's not what happened. That has nothing to do with me, by the way. That has to do with God's timing. But here's what I do know. I have a confidence that if he heard a word from me, the seeds that were planted in his heart, whether it's a week from now, 10 weeks from now, or 10 years from now, God will use the message of the hope that I shared with him in some way. It will encourage him. It will give him hope. Brothers and sisters, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. We can know and have confidence that we cannot be overcome. The message of Christ will not be overcome. Last night, 
We got to celebrate with Hope Women's Center that Leanne talked to you about, our partnership with this great ministry. And it was a, just an evening to come together and think about their mission and, and celebrate that. And uh, Aaron, who she referenced, my friend, he was talking about the darkness that exists in the world. And we are all very aware, aren't we, of the darkness that exists. And it seems as if the world is getting darker and darker and things are getting more and more challenging. It seems perhaps that we are feeling that opposition over and over again in even more real ways coming against us as believers. And I loved what he shared that I just felt like I had to share with you this morning. Aaron said this, maybe we need to stop worrying so much about the darkness and remember that we are the light. As we think about what happens in the world, as I look around us as Christians, we are so focused so often on pointing out darkness and this is darkness and that is darkness and that's evil and that's evil and coming against every bit of it and all that. And we have forgotten the responsibility and the calling that we are the light of the world and we have a message of hope to proclaim. And let us stop focusing so much on the darkness that exists in the world and take seriously our responsibility to go and to tell and to believe that Jesus will not be overcome. The light cannot be overcome, John 1.5 says. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness will not overcome it. Third question I'd encourage you to ask is, how will you overcome? And the answer is where I'll go forth, the faithful believe. We will believe what I just said, that the darkness will not overcome the light. Romans 16.20 says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. See, Paul, as he rebukes Bar-Jesus, as he rebukes this charlatan, this liar who's been trying to lead the proconsul Sergius away from the faith, he rebukes him, and he rebukes him with confidence because he is confident, again, not in himself, but in Christ. Look what he says. You son of the devil, verse 10, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? He rebukes him. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. The one who wanted to keep Sergius in darkness found himself in darkness because the word of God will not be overcome. And notice what happens in Sergius's life, verse 12. Then the proconsul, that's Sergius, the proconsul believed when he saw what occurred for he was astonished. And I love how Luke says this. He was astonished, not at Bar-Jesus being blinded, while that probably had some circumstances in this. He was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. He was astonished at the mercy of Christ that was offered to him by Paul and Barnabas. He was astonished that the gospel could be true. He had wanted to hear from God, and he had this desire in him that the Holy Spirit prompted to hear from God. And when Paul and Barnabas showed up, they proclaimed the gospel message to him, and he was amazed. Could that really be true? Let me tell you, as I think about the conversations that I've had in the past, whether it was this last week, weeks before, and months before, every conversation I've had in my life, when I've come face-to-face with someone who is unsure about who Jesus is, and I've shared with them the gospel, I've shared the mercy of Christ, I've shared the hope that Christ has given me, I can tell you that that's a common response. Is that true? God could really love me? The reason that so many men and women are trapped in the shame that Leanne talked about through past circumstances is they are saying to themselves, could the gospel really be true? Could God really love me that much that there is nothing in my past that would bar him from showing me grace and mercy and welcoming me, not just as a a believer, but welcoming me into his family and adopting me as a son or a daughter? 
That's an amazing message, friends. We are the only people in the world that have that message. Every other worldview out there, every other message is you better figure life out and get some things straight and then maybe God will accept you. Our message is God will accept you and he loves you and he has called you to himself and it is through him that your life, your mind, everything about you will be transformed if you would simply believe. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the message that we have. The faithful believe. And so as we go out into the world, the last question that I have for you is, will you believe that the darkness cannot overcome the light? Will you believe that the message of the gospel is true in your life? And will you believe it so deeply that as you encounter other people, there's nothing that you can do except proclaim the goodness of Christ, the mercy of Christ? Will you believe? And I love this little twist that God does. Again, the one who is striving to bring and keep Sergius in darkness, he finds himself blinded and needing to be led around by the hand. He finds himself in darkness because darkness will not win. And that gives us hope. So as we close, we're going to sing a song that becomes a prayer and really a question in one of the lines is, help my heart believe that Jesus is greater than all the things of the world. Brothers and sisters, if you are a follower of Christ, being attentive to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is speaking, even now perhaps, and he's calling us to go out into the world. Will you go? Will you tell of the excellencies of Christ? Will you overcome the opposition in your own heart and even perhaps that that is external to you as you believe with great confidence in Christ and what he intends to do? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement that it is to me, the conviction that it brings to my heart, has brought to my heart to be reminded that you saved me, you have demonstrated great mercy in my life. And you've done that to bring yourself more glory. But not only that, you've done that so that I might go out and proclaim that Jesus is better. I pray specifically now for anyone in this room who may be one of those friends who is wondering, could that really be true? Could God love me that much? Holy Spirit, would you assure them right now that you love them, your unconditional love. There's not a condition that they could find themselves in that would say that you would not show them mercy and grace if they would simply repent and believe. Holy Spirit, would you move? And for those of us who call you Lord Jesus, would you help us to believe? And would you help us to keep you first and primary? And even now, prepare us as we go out from this place to have a word to share with a world that desperately needs it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And we look forward to meeting you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God, the good of the city, and the hope of the world. Oh, oh.